Hello, hello, welcome back, a leading woman in tech. It's Tony here, your lit up leadership career bestie. We are here today to talk about the art of saying no. <laughs> Something I have struggled with so much in my life. I know so many of the women I work with struggle with it. And yet to be a great leader, you need to know how to say no. So I'm going to be digging into that today. But let me give you a little life update around here. First things first, this is hopefully, fingers crossed, the last time you're going to see that blue carpet behind me. If you are watching this on YouTube, I have a blue carpet. And actually, I think the day that this goes out, this recording, because I record a little bit ahead of time because my editor needs it. I think the day that this goes out is the day that that carpet is going to be replaced. That's exciting. I've been gradually doing up our house this summer, just finishing off a whole load of DIY jobs. And replacing the carpet is one of the final steps. I'm super excited about that. Like these small things like are really good to me. <laughs> small little wins. And also, you might have heard on a previous episode that this is the summer where I am focusing on my mental health, my brain health, not my mental health. Mental health is part of that, but my brain health. I want to work on my brain fitness and really use that to level up my leadership because I'm a CEO, not just a coach and trainer, but a CEO as well. And I view that my leadership is, is really incredibly important to the work I do. If I'm not a great leader, then my company isn't a great company. We can't deliver the great work that I know we're capable of delivering. So I am setting myself a challenge in June, July and August to really up-level my brain health. And I can tell you, like only a few weeks in at the point of recording this, it's not going exactly to plan. The most important thing I want to focus on was my sleep. I struggle to get to sleep at night. I'm not one of those people who wakes up in the middle of the night and then struggles to get back to sleep. That's never been my problem, thankfully. Might be at some point, but not right now. But my brain has a million ideas a minute. And so I struggle to get to sleep. My, I'll get into bed and my brain just starts churning, worrying, worrying, worrying. And I've gone in phases in my life. Sometimes they're being far worse than others. Other times I sleep like a baby. And I'd say right now is one of the worst times I think I've had. This last six months, I have such big ambitions. I get into bed. <laughs> My brain just goes, all these things we can do. And unfortunately, that is not very good for productivity because you wake up the next morning uh, just really groggy and struggling. And so I have been working on that for the last couple of weeks and I've had good days and bad days. I've done a lot of reading around how to improve my sleep quality. It's not helped that we're temporarily in our guest bedroom where I do not have blackout curtains. Um, it's a really quiet room to sleep in, but we don't have blackout curtains in there. We're in there because of the decorating and the DIY and carpet being replaced is the final step. It means we can get back in our master bedroom and blackout curtains are back. So that will help. I really hope anyway. <laughs> but I know that this was happening even before that. So that isn't the only issue. But that was one of the things I know is really, really important to have like a really dark bedroom, especially I've never slept with light. When I lived in a city, I lived in a city for a few years as a student and I'd never slept that well because even with blackout curtains, there was that little bit of like, I never sleep very well in hotel rooms either. So it's just little things like that. But some of the stuff I've been trying, which does work, is rather than focusing on going to bed at the same time, I'm focusing on getting up at the same time every day, even on weekends. Oh my gosh, that's hard. I struggle with this one big time. So I am putting, I know, normally take my phone into the bedroom. I am actually really good at that. I've never had that urge to do that. So my phone typically stays downstairs. But I've been taking my phone in this bedroom so that I leave my alarm clock, which I would quite often turn off if I've had a really bad night. But I put my phone the other side of the room so I can't ignore that alarm. I have to get up out of bed to turn it off. And at that point, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to stay up. So that's been helping. But 
some nights I'm sleeping really, really well as a result because I am so tired. And that I think is retraining my brain. I am hoping it's retraining my brain that I should be sleeping in bed rather than thinking and ideating and innovating. But it's it's a hard journey. So at the moment, I'm kind of struggling. I thought I'd give you a little update in case you're interested because leadership requires great brains. And that's why we're here, right, is great leadership. So I thought I'd share that one. But let's get back to today's topic, the art of saying no. <laughs> I have struggled so much. I think I already said that. But hey, I'll just reiterate, I struggle. Welcome to the Leading Women in Tech podcast, the show that celebrates women in technology leadership. I'm your host, Tony Collis, and this podcast is the result of my passion for building better tech by diversifying the leadership of the technology sector. Join me on this journey as I discuss all things leadership, what it takes to be innovative, breaking through the glass ceiling, be a great leader, and how to navigate the unique experiences we face as women in tech. So sit back, grab your headphones, and get ready to be inspired to become a better leader. I'm recovering people pleaser in that I know most of the time that it's not actually useful to that person in front of me to please them right now. But I still like to make people happy. And therefore, sometimes I will take on work that I potentially shouldn't do. What I've learned not to do is to do things begrudgingly. That that I'm really good at, but I still struggle. And one of the things that really damaged my early career is I got some advice, which was, you can't afford to say no, Tony. You have to say yes to everything. Otherwise, it's bad for your reputation. Worst piece of advice I've ever been given. (laughs) Such a terrible piece of advice because it reinvigorated this whole people-pleasing need in me. And I felt like I had to say yes to everything. And my work really suffered as a response because I took on too much. And quite frankly, I under-delivered. I over-promised and under-delivered. My reputation took a hit. I was stressed out of my mind. And I think it held me back for at least a year, if not longer, until I figured out that was terrible advice. So I want to talk about the art of saying no. The art of saying no for ourselves, the art of saying no for our personal lives, for our professional lives, and as leaders, even if you're a CEO, I have to say no as a CEO all the time, both to my team who have great ideas. And I'm like, I get you, but not now. Or that doesn't make sense for this business. I also have to say no to people who want to do things with us. Like, oh, it'd be easy to take that. It's great money. But you know what doesn't align with our mission and vision, or it's going to take us in the wrong direction, or we don't have the skill set. It's going to distract us from something. There are so many reasons why we need to say no. And The other one I really struggle with, which kind of fits in with my sleep issues, is saying no to my own ideas. (laughs) I have so many ideas. Ideation is not my problem. My problem is, what do I do with all those ideas? And I coach women through this all the time, and I I really get it because I experience it almost on a daily basis. I have thousands of more ideas than I can possibly implement. And the hard thing is saying no to those great ideas I don't have time for choosing the one nugget that I'm going to take for it's going to take six months and yet every day during those six months I'm going to have a thousand ideas a day that I have to say no to as humans as leaders as women we often find ourselves in situations where we're expected to say yes whether it's work whether it's personal or even in our own minds how many times have you been asked to do something and because you don't want the other person to feel rejected you say yes and maybe you regret it immediately maybe you regret it later or maybe like me, you're the person going, oh, I'll just, I'm just going to squeeze that in and 
And then you don't regret it, but you're wondering why you're so stressed out. Because once you've agreed, it's hard to go back on your word, right? So we do things begrudgingly. Or we say yes to things for our own benefit when actually that just ups our stress levels. Like I said, sometimes it's saying no to your own things is really, really hard, let alone other people. And I think particularly in business, saying no to all your ideas and choosing just one is a huge challenge. But saying no to other people, for many of us, we're so scared to offend. We don't want to seem harsh. We find ourselves continuously yes when we want to say no. One of the things I love to highlight to the women I work with is that what you don't realize is when you say yes, you're actually implicitly saying no to at least 10 other things. You just aren't consciously doing it because you're setting yourself up for stress, for burnout, even for depression. When we tend to say yes, when we really need to be saying no, we're not going to be happy. We're not going to be able to achieve as much. We're definitely not going to feel as fulfilled. And a lot of this comes from imposter syndrome, people pleasing, (laughs) all of that stuff, because we have this need to feel important, to feel useful, to feel wanted, to feel, I would I would say even loved. I mean, you might think that it doesn't apply to work and I'm talking in the work context here, but there's an element of appreciation, which, you know, the word love kind of captures, even though it might not be the love that we use personally, but it's that need to feel very important and valued. And actually, even when we're talking about saying no to our own ideas, I think it's quite often imposter syndrome coming into play here because we're concerned that maybe our ideas, if we say no to that, well, what if that is the one that is the one? And so we say yes to everything, but actually that means that none of them are going to work. So one of the key things you need to appreciate here is this is normal. You're not broken in any way, (laughs) just in case you needed to hear that. But what we do need to do is realize that saying no doesn't mean that we're difficult or uncooperative. It simply means that we are setting boundaries that mean we can do great work. And this is something that the logical, rational part of your brain needs to really appreciate if you're going to tackle that imposter syndrome. Remember with imposter syndrome that you can get yourself to think for it, provided you recognize what's going on. So if you're struggling with imposter syndrome, you might be struggling to recognize the signs of it. There's people pleasing in you. Common symptoms are feeling like a fraud, fearing failure, downplaying your achievements, feeling successes are because of luck. If you've ever like, oh my God, that was just like pure luck and that wasn't me, rather than your hard work and your capabilities, that's likely to be imposter syndrome. So do a little audit of yourself. Like, is that coming up? If you don't know, by the way, I have a free training on imposter syndrome. Go to tonycollis.com forward slash DTSD for ditch the self-doubt. Um, and that will help you diagnose if you've got imposter syndrome. Because it's really, really important for you to understand that it's showing up and in the context of saying yes, when you should be saying no. Because once you know it's showing up, that little negative voice in the back of your head that is attacking you in certain ways, nagging you, whenever you look in the mirror or at work and your relationships and the doubts are there around your goals, your accomplishments. If you know it's there, you can counter it rationally. Most of us struggle to counter it because we could counter it rationally We could look at the data and be like, well, okay, the evidence actually says that I get good feedback. I'm pretty damn good at what I do, right? I bet you, if you look at what you do and you actually get feedback rather than giving into this second guessing critical inner voice, that you'll actually realize you're a pretty good job at many things and therefore you don't need a people please. 
But if you don't know that this is a tendency you have, you can't rationally slow down. Your second guessing, your impulse syndrome, your people pleasing is an autopilot function. It's one of those things that happens without us really consciously realizing it. In the same way that unconscious bias happens that way. Imposter syndrome is like the unconscious bias against ourselves. Because both of those two things, they happen on autopilot. It's to do with our conditioning. It's to do with our lived experience up until now. And to counteract both unconscious bias and imposter syndrome, we have to slow down. We have to think consciously rather than unconsciously. We have to say, not helpful. I recognize those are automatic thoughts that are not very helpful. Automatic negative thoughts is something to like look out for, by the way. But automatic thoughts in general, where we've got learned behaviors, and we need to say, slow down. Let me just see the rational side of this. And sometimes you need a third party to help you with this. It's why I'm, as a coach, a lot of the conversations I have around imposter syndrome are like, somebody is coming to me, I'm really concerned and upset. And to help them overcome that, I need to help them understand the rational side of it. I need to help them get the data that says, actually, I'm kind of kick-ass, but why am I not trusting those reports? Why am I dismissing those reports? To overcome that, we have to slow down. And I do think this is a key thing for learning how to say no, because if you can slow down enough to realize, "Mm, I'm saying yes because of a fear here, because I'm scared that if I say yes, it's going to open up something positive. But if I say no, something negative is going to happen then you're going to like have this need to say yes to everything, even if it's something you really don't want or can't handle. There's too much on your plate. And that makes it worse for us, especially if you add in that imposter syndrome to people pleasing. And they aren't exactly the same. It's a big overlap, but they are actually different. We tend to people please as well as have imposter syndrome. And remember, you could even be people pleasing yourself. <laughs> I don't think I've heard anybody else talk about this. But I think sometimes when we say yes to our own ideas, because we're fearful of saying no to something, it's pleasing our own little brain. It's like, I just want to hold on to all the little nuggets. And you're afraid of your future self being negative towards you. So I view that as self-people-pleasing. At the end of the day, people-pleasing comes about because we're afraid that those people aren't going to like us. We're afraid that they're going to fall out with us. They're going to think less positively of us. And yet, if you think about why am I saying no to myself? Why am I saying I'm going to do this one thing rather than these 10 others? Why am I saying I shouldn't do that one thing here? It's because you're fearful of beating yourself up in six months' time when it doesn't work. You're fearful of how you're going to talk to yourself. And yet, a lot of the stuff we say to ourselves, we would never say to another human being. So I view this as internal people-pleasing, pleasing ourselves because we're so scared of what we're going to say to ourselves. I actually do think this is why we people please as well, because the things we say to ourselves, most humans would never say to another human. And yet when we're afraid of letting somebody down, those are the kind of words, oh, they're going to think I'm awful. All the things you say to yourself that you've never actually heard a decent human say, even when they've been disappointed. You're so afraid that that person is going to be that way because that's how you are to yourself. So this is a really challenging pattern to break, especially if it's been ingrained since childhood, which for many of us, it is, and it is more common in women, but it's not exclusive to women. I know many male people pleasers, by the way. But let's dig into some common examples. So sometimes we we will say yes, because we need to say yes to everything else and neglect our own needs. We want to avoid conflict because we're not comfortable with that. 
Remember, conflict is a key part of being a leader. And this avoiding conflict uh, leads us to an overcommitment, taking on too much responsibility and neglecting our own needs, boundaries, and our own work. I've seen so many women, and again, I'm focusing on women here because it's what we talk about on this show, but it does apply way beyond this. But so many of the women I work with backed into a professional corner doing everybody else's priority work and not their own. And they're getting bad reports because they're not delivering on the work they need because they've got all these other people saying, I need this, I need this, I need this. And their OKRs or KPIs or anything else are not the thing that other people are being measured on, but they're doing everybody else's work. They're all saying, I need this for my OKR. And so we then neglect our own. So people pleasing on the surface can sound okay. After all, it's nice to make other people comfortable, happy. You don't want to let people down. You put your time and energy into making others happy. But what I really want you to understand is that you are neglecting yourself by doing this. And actually, just logically from a business perspective, if we just take it to the business end of it, if you don't do your work, right? Ultimately, if you don't do your work, you know, you like, you might be pipped, you might be fired, right? That at the end of the day, we all know this truth, right? It's why we get fearful when we get bad reports, amongst other things. None of us like to feel that we're doing a bad job, but we actually get fearful because we're worried about the stability of our job. And at the end of the day, there's a good reason for that. You might be doing everybody else's work and you're being demanded of it, but the problem is that's not why you've been hired. So if you aren't able to say no, particularly as a leader, if you aren't able to say no, you're saying yes on behalf of your entire team. That means you're not doing your job. Your job exists because the business needs it to exist. So just double check with yourself. Is this good for business? Because I'm pretty sure it's not. (laughs) But if you're a people pleaser, the chances are that you're afraid of the rejection of others and will take certain actions to appease everybody around you so that they like you. But if you continuously say yes when you'd rather say no, you're also teaching those around you that their needs are more important and come before your own. And it takes a really, really good boss to call this out in you. And again, I think it's one of the reasons why we hit the glass ceiling is because nobody calls us out on this. I think it's incredibly rare for a boss to actually say, by the way, everybody's taking advantage of you. Have you noticed that? I've had one boss in my entire career who's called me out on this. It was life-changing for me. Really, really life-changing. Up until then, it was like, keep everybody else happy, right? But if you don't have that person saying, you need to say no, because everybody else has learned that you're all reliable. You're the person who will do all their work for them. You're the person who will give them their reports so that they can do their job, even though it's not your core responsibility. And this is part of the tension I really see. You'll be asked for things, which you know are in your remit, maybe a report, case in point here. Your team provides reports to other parts of the business. Other parts of the business need this to do their work. The problem is, The report writing is not the thing you're measured on. It's just something your team can produce. And therefore, you seem to be spending all your time doing all of this rather than saying, why do they need it? Why is it not automated? Why is it something they need from me more and more and more rather than me getting on with my work? Once you recognize these tendencies in yourself to deliver for everyone else, to always be focused on the needs of others rather than the needs of yourself and then getting really stressed out, end a quarter time and all that kind of stuff. By the way, I want us to stop being stressed at end of quarters or end of reporting cycles and worried about quotas and all that kind of stuff because we are always delivering. That's one of my goals with this podcast 
is to give you the tools to move away from that stress cycle of building up to the end of like cycle situations, getting super stressed out about delivering and then burnt out and not doing anything for a couple of weeks, then doing everybody else's stuff and then repeating the cycle again and ramping up to this high stress. You just do this stress cycle over and over and again. I want that to stop. I'm absolutely sure from all my experience that that is a key contributor to the glass ceiling. And again, because as women, we're less likely to be called out on it. Men are much more likely to get informal mentoring on this than women are. And therefore we hit this. Nobody is telling us what's wrong. We can't say, and I do believe it's a big contributor to women leaving the tech space because they they hit the glass ceiling, they're burnt out and they think if I get promoted, it's going to be even worse because nobody's pointing out to them that this is not the way we need to operate. So I want you to recognize this tendency in yourself. If this is resonating with you, it's time to recognize it and start working on it. So let's talk about what we can do. So the first one is to practice assertiveness. Oh, lovely, right? As leaders, we need to be assertive and learn how to say no politely and effectively. This may involve using I statements to express your needs. And don't be afraid to offer alternatives. One of the things I used to so struggle with was saying, no to opportunities to speak. Not because I desperately wanted to speak at all these events, because at one point I was doing so many, I was just tired. But because I felt like I was going to let somebody down. But part of me also was like, but I'm not the best speaker. And it was slowing down and realizing my needs. I needed to not be on the road as much. And then when I realized, you know what, there's somebody better than me and offering the alternative. And I did two great things there. One, I helped that person who's looking for someone find an even better person than me. And two, I opened a door for another woman. I always try to open the door for another woman. And I, that when I leaned into that, that it wasn't just about me, it was about what was needed by the person asking me. And it was also what was needed by this other person I was recommending. I've also realized that when I overcommit at work, when I say yes to something, and it doesn't happen so much now because I run my own business, but previously when somebody would say, could you, could you do this for us? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't. And I would overpromise and underdeliver. And that's actually not what they wanted. But it took so much time for me to recognize that. When I started to be able to say, I'm afraid I don't have the time for this. Have you thought of? They'd be like, oh, thank you so much. And I'm like, whoa, where did, where did that come from? <laughs> I was expecting them to be disappointed. They just want the work done. They don't mind who does it. And in fact, if you overpromise and underdeliver, it's letting them down. So I want you to practice active listening. Show empathy to those around you and offer alternatives, it might be quite surprising to you how easy it then becomes to say no on certain topics. But let's explore some more tips on how to say no with that grace and confidence that we all want with some executive presence, right? So to help you become more confident saying no, you first need to understand when it's worth saying yes. I think this is something we aren't taught, like you'll hear other people say, you need to practice saying no more. And Okay, great. But when do I say yes? How do I know of all those things that are coming my way, which one to say yes to? I would love for you to make a list of all the things that you want to say yes to, what you'd like to have more time for, the list of things that you're really good at, that you love doing. Remember, just because you're good at it doesn't mean you love doing it. And just because you love doing it doesn't mean you're good at it. I want you to find things that you're going to say yes to, that you're both good at and that you love. That's your zone of genius, or I love to call the flow zone. That becomes some of your boundaries. Now, if you're like me, there are still many things in that that you could say yes to, far, far too many. But this is a good starting point because you then also get to look at your time. 
and realize how many things can I say yes to? I would love for you to just take a moment and think through all the things you said yes to. You might not even know how many things you said yes to, but if you do, how look at all the things you said yes to in the last week or month. What would be on your no list with these new boundaries? Think it over. Then the next thing I would suggest doing is pausing. Find a way to say, can I take some time to think that over? Can I get back to you tomorrow? Give yourself permission to extract yourself from the situation so you don't make that impulsive yes. In fact, when I am training women to practice this skill, they're really, really struggling. I say to them like, you're not allowed to say yes or no to anything. There's no yeses, there's no noes, there's just pauses. And so they learn how to extract themselves from the situation so their cortisol and adrenaline can come down and they can make a rational decision rather than that. <gasps> I need to give an answer. I need to make a decision, decision, right? So we extract yourself from the situation. Give yourself time to sleep on it. If that's going to make it easier to do, then just learn how to say it. So once you've slept on it, once you've taken the time to extract yourself, you're slowing down, making that rational decision. And you know, logically, it should be a no. What you need to do is learn how to say no with clarity and feel confident about it. So you want to avoid saying things like, mm, I don't think I can, because that's not very helpful. It's not clear. As a leader, you need to be very clear and articulate. People will consider that as a weak answer and there's a possibility of a yes. And so they'll push and we'll use that to their advantage to try to push you, especially if you've got a reputation as somebody who will, is a yes person and will help them out. So you want to have a clear, firm no. If you must have a brief explanation as to why, if need be, but don't feel like you have to. In fact, when you're learning how to do this, I love pushing people to just say no and just pause, say nothing else. You want to be assertive, but you can be polite. A simple thanks for the opportunity, but it's going to be a no is all you need to say. It's gracious, it's polite, but it's a firm no. Now, people can still be persistent, right? <laughs> Even when you've given them this level of clarity, you might have to keep saying no. But this partly happens because you've maybe got a reputation for being a bit of a pushover. So you may need to repeat yourself with increasing or at least the same level of firmness that you did in your first delivery. There's no need to explain yourself any further the second time. Just say, it's still a no. Still a no. I love to get people to repeat the exact same words as necessary because it, there's something about saying exactly the same words that gets attention. So if you say, it's still a no, and they talk for a few minutes, and it's still a no, and then they do it again. It's still a no. They suddenly, you saying the exact same words three times really makes people pay attention. I use this in so much of my executive presence training, like find some words that are going to really get the point across and then just keep saying it. If you're really sure they're clear, because sometimes if they're not clear, then you're not getting the point across. There's no point in like saying the same thing 10 times if somebody's just not understanding. But something really simple and clear, like it's a no, really it's about making sure they hear you, not understand you, because if they hear you, they will understand, right? So don't feel compelled to elaborate, to say any more, just because they're feeling uncomfortable right? At the end of the day, you need a whole farm. This is such an important leadership skill. So hopefully at this point, you're more comfortable with saying no, but there are times when it's okay to say yes. And so I want you to remember this. What I would say is while you're learning to say no, continue to really think about why you're saying yes. Be really conscious of the yeses. As I said, I don't think you should ever say yes immediately. You should always sleep on it. 
Saying no to things gives you time, gives you freedom to say yes to all the great things that are important. But remember those boundaries. Remember what it is you can do. I actually think we should always be looking at our schedule, personal and professional, before we say yes. But it's very tempting when you start saying no to be like, oh my gosh, I've got more time. That thing there, is it within my boundaries? I'm going to say yes to it without actually sanity checking. What does that mean? Is that a six-month commitment? Is it two hours in the next two weeks that I don't have? Even though you're like, but I've just said no to all these things. Just really double check before you say yes, even though you've got all this new spaciousness coming in emotionally because you're saying no rather than either saying yes and not committing or being a little bit like, "Mm, I'm just going to be ambiguous here and not really say yes or no because I'm afraid. When you actually start saying no, it's going to feel really empowering, but just make sure you don't keep saying yes too much. So ask yourself if it fits in your life physically, mentally, financially, emotionally, and if it's the business, those things still apply. You've got to have the mental space to take this on because as a leader, you have got a mental capacity, remember. The business has to have the financial. You might need the budgetary capacity to take this on. Again, so many earlier career leaders I see really messing up. They take on something they don't actually have the budget for because they didn't realize they need additional budget to do it. So really look into that. If the answer is no to any of those, then you can't say yes, even if you feel like it's within the boundaries. So really ensure you're saying yes to things that align with what you have set yourself out for, what your business needs from you, what your leadership needs from you, what your role needs from you, what your team needs from you. Now, you may find that you want to say yes to things that are challenging. So I talked about being good at something and loving something. There is one exception to this. You can say yes to things that are going to grow you. They're challenges. So it excites you, but it's not necessarily something you're amazing at. It's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable in some way, but it's still exciting. That is a growth opportunity. Now, you have to be very, very sparing about these in that if you take on a growth thing, that's going to stretch you mentally in so many ways. You only really want one or two of those at a time to the point that when I'm training women, a lot of what I do is like getting them out of their comfort zone around executive presence, around communication, feedback, critiquing, just leveling up as a leader. A lot is out of their comfort zone. I'm like, we do one thing at a time. Sometimes it takes a day. Sometimes it takes a week. Occasionally it takes a month. One thing at a time, layer it on. Do not say yes to too many growth things at once that are going to move you out of your comfort zone. Because yes, we want you to explore new challenges and open yourself up to this growth mindset, but you've got to layer it on appropriately. You've got to build one thing at a time so you don't feel overwhelmed. And by the way, this applies to your team as well, to your professional work. You can do something that takes your team into its growth zone. In fact, I think that's beautiful. Uh, A lot of the work I do with executives is recognizing that they need to up-level. Something above them has changed. Maybe the business is changing. Maybe their boss has got promoted and they need to up-level. Or maybe the business is growing and they need to up-level. And what then needs to happen is your team needs to up-level as well. But to do that, your team needs to have a growth mindset. And one of the things that you need to recognize in this situation is you need to apply the same criteria for saying yes to stuff to your team as you do for yourself. You want your team to grow. And so you're going to be doing stuff with them that is challenging, that they don't know. They don't know how to do it. But you only want to really be doing one thing at a time. Or at least, I mean, if you've got a huge team, if you've got you know 100 people under you, little pockets can do different things. But you want to be really mindful of growing them in the right way, being consciously growth mindset oriented. You're going to be amazed when you do this at the opportunities that that actually then opens up as you learn and discover when to say yes to your curiosity 
when to say yes and level up. It's actually so much faster to say yes linearly than it is to say yes to everything and try and do everything at once. And so it's going to be hugely beneficial to you, to your professional development, to your team's development, and just so empowering. The final thing I want you to just remind yourself of here, though, if this is inspiring to you, is one thing I want you to say yes to more than anything is say yes to (laughs) self-care. And this is something that I see is the thing we often neglect. We say yes to our kids. We say yes to work. We say yes to our colleagues. We say yes to our partners. And the thing that gets dropped is our time and our self-care. If it ever comes through a choice between someone requiring something of you and you needing to take a mental health day or time for yourself to decompress, even just five minutes to yourself is so incredibly important. And I know that if you've got kids, for example, you may feel like you never say no. But you need to make sure that you prioritize your own well-being. You need to say yes to yourself for the right reasons. You need to stop waiting for permission from others to do what you need, to take care of yourself, to invest in yourself for that matter. And it's okay to do things like go on that once-in-a-lifetime trip. One of my clients recently got laid off and she was like, right, okay, I'm going to use this severance to go on a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip. She left her husband behind. I was like, go girl. She'd been planning this for years and finally she did it for her. It's what she needed. And she needed it for all of the reasons that mean that she's a great leader at the same time. So instead of setting yourself up for burnout, resentment, depression, always feeling like you need to say yes, I want you to remember you don't need to, but the one thing you need to say yes to is yourself from time to time. So write down that list of boundaries, write out what you really want to say yes to and where you actually should be saying no to. Remember that this takes practice and layering on as all the things I talk about on the show are. I want you to leave you with a final mindset tip, short and quick this time. But remember that when you say no to something, you're saying yes to yourself and to something even greater. All right. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If this has been good for you, please hit like or subscribe in your favorite podcast player on YouTube. And remember to share this episode with anybody you think needs to hear how to say no. Until next time, remember, stay on your tech leadership game. Follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech.